Ladies and gentlemen, it's a sad day. Not really a sad day, but it is a day. But it is sad for some people. Some of those people are people tuning into other podcasts. This is the Out of Bounds podcast, Out of Bounds with a Z. I'm Joe McDonald, your host for tonight. Normally, I'd introduce Sean Lawler, but he's off spending some nice quality family time in Niagara Falls, Canada. But I'm not here by myself because nobody wants to hear me by myself. I am joined by special guest, returning special guest, mind you, Mr. Amon Patel. Amon, how are you doing tonight, bud? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me back on. I had a blast the first time and just looking forward to another great night. I love it. Amon and I recorded John and Ballin live last night, so this is fun that we get to do a little uh, podcast. Amon, Sean hates breaking news. He just doesn't like it. He doesn't want to come on. He wants to spend time with family and focus on work and responsibilities. Me, on the other hand, I love breaking news. Our plan was to come talk about free agency. Oh, we're going to talk about free agency. But first, we have to get to the literally breaking news about 10 minutes ago. Devontae Adams, the all-pro wide receiver for the Green Bay Packers, X that former Green Bay Packer. Devontae Adams traded to the Las Vegas Raiders from the franchise tag for two premium picks in this year's draft, according to sources so far, and then signs a deal five years, $141.25 million. For those of you who aren't math majors, 28 and a quarter million dollars average. I don't have the um, the uh, the signing bonus yet, but it, it's going to be big. It's going to be a lot. So I'm on. We were going to wait to nine o'clock to do this. This news broke, and I'm like, dude, whenever you want to go, let's go. So I'm on. <laughs> let's go. What is going on? Devontae Adams just reset the whole wide receiver market, and I think it is going to bounce itself out. I don't know if we're going to see another contract like this for a little bit. But my God, you're talking about five years, 28 million uh, and a quarter, as you said. Vegas just has money to throw around, apparently, because they give guys $100 million contracts for 10 years. They, and now they're giving Devontae Adams a receiver $28 million over the next five years. Look, I think this just speaks volume about the Packers. They knew that they couldn't pay him. And apparently they were willing to pay him. Uh, there were reports coming out that they were willing to pay and even pay more than what the Raiders were. And Devontae said, no, I don't want to play here. I, I, I want out. And I'm thinking, well, this is Aaron Rodgers. This is the Green Bay Packers. And now you talk about an AFC West that was already looking like a Pro Bowl team if you combine those four teams. Now you add Devontae Adams to that. Man, the Raiders are back in business out there. Yeah, the trade details have come in. It is the Raiders' first and second round picks this uh, this year. So uh, actually, Sean and I just talked about this Monday night where he was hoping that he was thinking teams might go sniffing around Devontae. I was a little bit more bullish on it. I have to give all the credit in the world to Sean. I, I didn't see this uh, to Sean, I should say. I did not see this coming. I, I really thought they would figure something out. We did talk about how he said this goes back to last year. He wanted a, a deal last year and Green Bay did not approach him. Um, apparently, there was maybe some low balling when they did approach him. So, I mean, this is insane. I mean, when you say resetting the market, this is, I mean, Again, who, what receiver in the NFL? I mean, what are you talking about? Justin Jefferson? He's not up for a con- He can't get this contract extension yet. You know, Jamar Chase, he's a rookie. He's not getting this. I mean, there's nobody. There's no, like, you know, Stefan Diggs, maybe three years ago, he's not getting it now. No. You know, like, they're, they're, even DeAndre Hopkins, he's not getting this kind of deal. Like, this is a franchise altering move for two franchises. We are also seeing that not everybody who comes off a of Bill Belichick tree acts like Bill Belichick. Because Dave Ziggler and Josh McDaniels, first-time GM, you know, 
head coach of the Raiders, not his first time, but you know, first year with the Raiders, they're not sitting back on their laurels. They need to know what they have in part. They have a finite window. You know, they have Darren Waller. They have, excuse me, you know, they have Hunter Renfro. Now they have Devontae Adams. They have Josh Jacobs. You know, the defense, we're going to talk about Max Crosby here in a little bit, signing him to an extension. I mean, they're really trying to build pieces. And this was a move that is a very un-Belichick-like move, which is a good thing because just because you come off a coaching tree or in Ziggler's case, you know, a pro personnel tree doesn't mean that you have to act exactly the same. This reminds me, and, and I want your opinion on this, very much of when Atlanta traded up for Julio Jones where they went all in. Cause if you remember, that was a GM that came from the new England system. And a lot of people were like, well, new England doesn't do that because that's not new England. What are your thoughts on that? Well, yeah. And I don't think, I think Josh McDaniels this first time around kind of messed up because he tried to be like new England. He tried to, he did want to make those big flashy trades, made the one awful trade for Tim Tebow. Other than that, didn't try to go and get a lot of other guys. I think he realizes why new England worked and why they didn't have to go and make big time trades well, they have the Tom, they have Tom Brady, they have the greatest quarterback of all time sitting there, and he fixes a lot of holes. Derek Carr, he's not a shabby quarterback, but he's not Tom Brady. So he's not going to fix every little problem that comes through. So I think Josh McDaniels, and I think it was Scott Pioli, right, who is the uh, yep. man in uh, Atlanta. They no, understand. It was Thomas Dimitrov. That was the Thomas that was Dimitrov. The yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Right. And yeah, yeah. Okay. So Thomas Dimitrov was there. Yeah, he understood. He also made a trade to go get Tony Gonzalez as well. He understood I have to go get pieces. And I think uh, McDaniels and Zeigler understand we have to go get pieces. We can't just sit around and hope Derek Carr turns into Tom Brady or we strike into the next Tom Brady. We need to go and figure out how to compete now because even though Vegas might be patient with us, we still have to compete. And in this AFC West right now, we're looking at the fourth team, right? If we just sit on our laurels, we got to go make a move. And this is a good move for them. Yeah, we're going to talk about the AFC West here in just a moment. Exactly. I mean, this is, again, this is a thing where we know this, the NFL is turning into an NBA-esque type league where players and quarterbacks and things of this sort, if they don't want to be there, they're going to get traded. They're going to get cut. They're going to get restructured to the point that they don't want to play anymore. So you only have a small window. And McDaniels, as you said, McDaniels and Ziggler are not sitting on their laurels. They're not sitting on their hands. Uh, another move they made, signing Chandler Jones, the pass rusher, a former New England Patriot coming from Arizona. They signed him to a big money deal. So, again, they're not sitting around and waiting. I mean, some of the additions in the AFC West, Broncos have gotten Russell Wilson, Randy Gregory, which is, <laughs> I cannot, we're going to talk about that one. Uh, DJ Jones, you know, the Chiefs bring in safety Justin Reed because presumably they're going to lose uh, Tyron Matthew. Uh, the Chargers, of course, we know, traded for Khalil Mack, signed J.C. Jackson, uh, defensive tackle Sebastian Joseph Day. Like, none of these teams are waiting. We saw, like, people thought that Kansas City was going to control this division for the next 10 years with Mahomes and his contract. And teams are like, you know what? You're not. We're not going to let you. This is the exact opposite of what happened with Miami and the Jets and Buffalo when Tom Brady was playing in New England. Now, again, is that fair comparison? No, but we didn't see those teams be this aggressive. We didn't see them make the huge trades to go get players. Anybody can trade for a quarterback. Trading for a wide receiver, that's a big deal. And, and it, it's just, I, I want to ask you, on a scale of 1 to 10, when the trade was announced, how shocked were you? Because I, I was a 10. I was stunned. I was on the other end of the spectrum. I wasn't surprised. I didn't think he was going to come back. Um, and there, and it was basically when I thought a long time there was the report that I saw. I think, you know, one of our friends, Dustin, put it in the group chat was 
um, that basically they offered him a $23 million deal. And then he said, no, I said, this isn't going to happen because they would have taken that deal. In my opinion, if he wanted to play with Rodgers and if he wanted to play with the Packers, he would have said, you know what? 23, I'm still the highest paid guy. I'll take the deal. But no, I don't think he ever wanted to be back in Green Bay. As soon as I saw that, I was saying, I you know, came out and said, I think he's going to get moved. And I wouldn't be surprised if Vegas goes sniffing, if other teams go sniffing around and trying to go get Devontae Adams. I think from the Packers side of this deal, you got to be disappointed because not only are you losing Devontae Adams, you got nothing in return in terms of right now is going to add tremendous value. Now, if you hit on a couple of draft picks, sure, great. But you didn't get Darren Waller. You didn't get Hunter Renfro. You didn't get Josh Jacobs. You didn't get anybody that you can add to this offense at a cheap rate that can improve you, or even defensively. Or you didn't defense, get anybody. Yeah. And that is your because you released Zadarius Smith, presumably to make room for Devontae Adams. Couldn't get him. Zadarius is gone. The Packers now are without their best pass rusher and without their best receiver, and they have no legitimate future here. I wasn't shocked by the move. I was shocked by what they got in return, not getting a player. Okay, I could see that. I mean, I, I get your point. I think it's just, again, I think we see a little bit more rumor mill stuff before this happens. Like, it was kind of just quiet. Everybody's like, well, Devontae's not happy. And we're all like, okay, come see me in July when he has to report to camp. And then it's like, wait a minute. It's two days later, and now he's traded. Like, it's, it's just that kind of insanity. It, it really is. Um, one last question on this. D- <laughs> because I brought it up on Monday that I thought – Devontae Adams needed to step up into a leadership position within the organization because I think last year's playoff game was a big tell. And, and again, you, you seem to be more on this than I am, than I was and that I am, is he was force-fed the ball a bunch. Now, if you're a receiver, you don't mind getting you know force-fed the ball if you're able to catch him. There was times he was double and triple covered in that playoff game, and Rodgers basically refused to go to anybody else. So I think that maybe Adams was also looking like, listen, while I'm eating, it's great. But I'm not going to take the blame for the guy forcing the ball to me because he doesn't trust anybody else. That's not my fault. And if I am going to get blamed, I'm going to be highly compensated. Like you said, if he really turned down a $23 million deal, I mean, uh, wow. Because that's, I mean, that is is altering. That is is position, you know, altering. So the fact that, you know, they go up to 28 and a quarter a year is just, I mean, this, (laughs) I have been critical of the Raiders. I've been critical of Mark Davis. I've been critical of John Gruden. I shouldn't say I. Sean and I both have been critical. This is an Al Davis move. This is the yeah. first time that Mark really like acted like Al. It's like, oh, you have a receiver that's not happy? Cool. Not only will I trade for him, I'm going to pay him a boatload of money. Like, yeah, doesn't this I mean, kind of, absolutely. Doesn't this kind of, I don't know if you're old enough to remember, doesn't this kind of feel like what Al was trying to do with Randy coming from Minnesota? When he went to the Raiders, it's almost like, cool, Randy Moss is unhappy. We're going to bring him in. He's going to be a member of the, of the you know, black and silver, and he's going to be great. Now, it didn't work out great for them, but that was the plan. Yeah, and um, what I've read and see, heard about Al Davis, I don't really have much recollection of the moves he made. But, um, you know, I've heard he's always liked to go after guys who are maybe not in their happiest place. But he's if he sees talent, he's going to go after it. If he thinks they can play, he's going to make big push. And that's what it was with Mark Davis here. He said, well, Devontae, he can play. We know he can play. He likes our quarterback. He's publicly said, if I play with anyone other than Aaron Rodgers, I would like it to be Derek Carr, just because what they've done at Fresno State together in college, setting multiple um, you know, collegiate records. Yep. And he says, okay, he's not happy. Let's go get him and make him happy. Let's go give him this money. And the crazy part is I was looking at um, Derek Carr's contract and his cap hit for the year. 
His cap hit for this year is $19 million. So they basically just switched out the, what the receiver and quarterback usually make and just flip-flopped it. So they're not even over the cap in that regard because of when they made that Derek Carr deal. And I thought that was the funniest thing. They said, well, we're not paying our quarterback 28. Just give Devontae 28. I thought that was hilarious. It is. It is fun. I mean, and who knows? If Carr makes it work, then they sign him to an extension. They'll deal with it down the road. And if he doesn't work out, then you have arguably a top two wide receiver in the league to match up with whatever quarterback you do go after. All right, we could spend all night talking about this, but we do need to move on a little bit. But let's not move very far. I want to stick with one position, the same one we just talked about, before we come back to the Aaron Rodgers deal. Allen Robinson, in a very surprised move, going to the Rams on a three-year, $46.5 million deal that includes $30.7 million in fully guaranteed money. Again, Sean and I talked about this last year. When you hear numbers, that's if every incentive is hit. That's all this. So the money's still kind of funny. But we know what they think of players by when you hear these deals. I'm on. Again, Robert Woods coming back from surgery. OBJ still unsigned. There's rumors they want to bring him back. But we saw Cooper Cup just win Offensive Player of the Year. So <laughs> how surprised were you by Allen Robinson going to the Rams? Yeah, I was more in the boat of a, maybe a 6-7 on this one. I know he would go somewhere where they, he had a competent quarterback. I think he got tired of the quarterback play in Chicago. Um, I heard a lot of New England Patriots, you know, rumors about, you know, he might go there, and I was intrigued by that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the contract to me was the most surprising thing. I know 15 and a half for a receiver isn't uh, crazy, but coming off the year that Allen Robinson's had or the past couple of years, Allen Robinson has had, you know, where he's been a herd, he hasn't really played well. And again, that could be quarterback. That could be a lot of different things. We saw with OBJ. Uh, same kind of deal, right? It was, it was it seemed to be more Baker than OBJ in Cleveland, and that came to be fruition when he went to LA and you know just played lights out, kind of went to vintage stuff. So maybe he does go there. I think it's smart by the Rams. Sean McVay loves offensive pieces. You can move him around. He's an outside guy. You still let Cooper Cup be him, and then you're just you don't know what you're going to see out of Robert Woods coming off of the injury. You don't know what you're going to see out of OBJ coming off of another ACL. So you go and get depth. And again, when he was playing, when I, when he was in Jacksonville, I really liked him in Jacksonville. I thought he was a really good receiver, really underrated guy. And I thought he had incredible ball skills and he's going to get an opportunity to play with an elite quarterback in Matthew Stafford. And I think that's what he wants to do. I thought it'd be more of the range of like a one-year prove it deal for Allen Robinson, where he goes somewhere mm-hmm. with the quarterback plays lights out and then gets the big time payday afterwards, but good on the Rams for saying, look, we can keep you here for a little bit longer and keep that Super Bowl window alive for them. Listen, I mean, everything you said is absolutely right. We don't know what Woods is going to be coming back. OBJ, I don't expect to play this next year. If so, not till the very end of the season. So that's a wash. But if, if you're, if you're Cooper cup, this has to make you excited because the place that Cooper Cup actually excels is out of the slot. If you have Allen Robinson and Robert Woods on the outside, all that does is allow you to eat more because guess what? Robert Woods can also get pushed inside. You can run, like you said. I mean, this is basically McVeigh getting a second queen on the chessboard. This is just somebody who can do a lot of different things. He's a big-bodied receiver. He can get down the field. I mean, again, Van Jefferson went from, like – you know, oh, if this guy pans out to almost an afterthought because, I mean, they're just going to have so many weapons. Again, how do the Rams do it with the cap space? I don't know, man. It, it, it's 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 all it's all a joke. Like when the Rams – After New Orleans this- got $20 million under the cap and like like that, I don't – cap is crap. I think Scott Zolak said it the best. Cap is crap. Yes. Uh, Ian Rappaport is reporting that Aaron Rodgers re-signed, knowing that the star receiver would, quote, never play for the Packers again. So this was even worse than we thought. Like, 
Rodgers knew that whatever happened, whether he got tired of Rodgers, whether he got tired of the Packers organization, whatever it was, that these were irreconcilable differences, which we'll get to that situation later (laughs) also. But again, like going back to Allen Robinson, it doesn't make sense because like you said, he's not going to be a number one receiver, but if you want to win a title, if you want to be in a system that is going to use your assets to the best of their ability, kind of makes sense, right? Yeah, absolutely. And again, go ahead. um, Again, I thought this would be a one-year deal just for that reason, just because they're going to utilize him in the best way they can. And if he enters free agency again, I guarantee you coming off of that Ram season, he's going to get a little bit overpaid. He might see 17, 18 million if he would enter free agency next year, just based off the year he might have with the Rams. No, absolutely right. All right, we do need to go backwards to go forwards. We started with the Green Bay Packers. We need to go back to the Green Bay Packers because, as we've mentioned numerous times, Aaron Rodgers did sign a new contract with the Green Bay Packers, which, boy, oh, boy. Uh, let's get into this. I, we're going to channel our inner Tonys here. We're going to get this working. Our good buddy <laughs> Tony on John and Ball. And like, like our departed friend Sean, big Aaron Rodgers haters. Big Aaron Rodgers haters. So we're going to channel them. You could be Tony. I'll be Sean. We'll get this. Just a few days ago, Aaron Rodgers did, in fact, sign a three-year, $150 million extension. But including this year that he's already going to play under 2023, it's essentially a two-year, $124 million extension. Um, the, the numbers right here, $42 million in 2022, $59.5 million in 2023, and $49.3 million in 2024. There's also some stuff that if he were to retire – or walk away, you'll get cut before the 2023 season, the Packers take a huge cap hit, like the way it's structured. So they really are hitching their wagon to Aaron Rodgers, which, good luck. Um, I'm on. The numbers, when you look at them, three years, $150 million, the first $50 million man in the NFL for such a short period of time. We know the Mahomes, 10 years, $500 million, but we all know that's not real. This at least seems a little bit more real. Again, what were your thoughts when you saw this? They're telling me that they have no secession plan. Um, look, they drafted Jordan Love, and it, if he was anywhere close to ready, you don't give him this kind of deal. And again, you don't want to see Aaron Rodgers walk, but he hasn't led you anywhere. He's led you to NFC Championship game for three years, four years in a row. You haven't gone anything out of it. And they didn't even get to the NFC Championship game this year. They lost in the divisional. Like They got the number one seed and lost to the Niners at home with the defense only giving up, what, 13 points? I'm sorry, if you can't win with your defense giving up 13 points, you're not you're not going to win anywhere. And now you give him this contract and you're not going to support him because you can't. You just you fiscally cannot and you don't have the money to go and make moves. You saw again, they cut Zadarius Smith. They couldn't or they didn't pay Devontae Adams early enough and apparently didn't want to play anyway. But, you know, they, they weren't able to make moves. They couldn't go after J.C. Jackson. Well, I thought if you could pair him in that, you know, uh, backfield, defensive backfield. Yep. Yeah, that would have been a great defensive backfield pairing because Jair is a top five corner in the NFL. And we know what J.C. can do, you know, creating turnovers. Mm-hmm. They could have made some plays at some of these defensive players or maybe even get Iron Rodgers another receiver. But they just don't have the money to do so. So they make this uh, move. They keep Aaron Rodgers, but they're not going to get to another Super Bowl because, again, you just don't have the piece, money to build pieces and make a team. This to me, and maybe I'm wrong. I know you're a little bit. I know you're a big basketball fan. I'm pretty sure you're a big basketball fan. Maybe, maybe you yeah. can explain this one to me. This reminds me of the Kobe Bryant deal the last couple of years with the Lakers. You throw a bunch of money at a guy of a team that you think should be good because of the players that you have, and then you're just like, yeah, but they're not really good when it counts. 
And again, I know it's a little bit different because Aaron just won back-to-back MVPs. Kobe was not the same player, but everybody knew that those contracts were going to hinder the Lakers from doing anything of real success. And I agree with you. I feel like this makes it so hard for the Packers to compete. Like, again, we talked about it last night live. I mean, he has them by the nuts. Like, he's, he's got the franchise. He, he literally, I mean, he is. He's Captain Phillips. He's Captain Rogers now. I am the captain. And it didn't matter. I, I, I am stunned him signing this, knowing that Devontae was not going to play. Because, again, we talked, his whole thing has been about respect. It's respect. I want respect. Well, guess what? If you had respect in the locker room, maybe you could convince Devontae Adams to stay. I mean, the whole thing is like, oh, they never take a first-round wide receiver. But you know what? Devontae wasn't a first-round wide receiver, and now he's gone too. Like, I mean, it, it it's absolutely insane. I mean, if I were to give him truth serum, if I were to give him, I think it's called sodium pentothal, like I would literally ask him, what is your end game? What do you want from these three to four years? Because I don't know what that is. Again, I'm all for players getting money, but it has to be smart money. And if your ultimate goal is to win, it has to be even smarter money. This to me seems like dumb money. It's just money for money's sake. Am I wrong? I mean, what do you think? I think that's Aaron Rodgers' whole career. He's been money for a money sake guy. Oh, well, you know, Kirk Cousins, uh, he got signed for higher money than you. He says, oh, yeah, I have to re- relook at my contract now that he got that deal. Why? Why, why do you – Tom Brady's making $25 million his entire career. Has he ever relooked at his deal? No, because he knows, look, I'm okay taking a little less money, but my team's going to be better, and his end goal is Super Bowl. You can see it every year. Like you said with Aaron Rodgers, this gives me the impression his end goal is, okay, I'm going to try to uh, beat out Peyton Manning for the most MVPs. Congratulations. Hats yeah. off to you. I, I don't care. Right? Like, who's going to – in 50 years, I don't think anyone's going to say, well, how many regular season MVPs does Tom Brady have versus Aaron Rodgers? Mm-hmm. No. The question is going to come down to Super Bowls. Why was Joe Montana considered the greatest quarterback of all time prior to Tom Brady winning what he did? Four Super Bowls. It wasn't Four Dan Marino. That's everything, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't Dan Marino. Dan Marino won a bunch of MVPs, but he never won a Super Bowl. And, again, people keep putting him in the conversation, but no one really took it seriously. Mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers is in that same type of boat where – you're not you. OK, you might win five MVPs. You might win uh, one of the next three MVPs this coming in these next three years. But I think all of us know he's not going to win a Super Bowl in these next three years. And to me, that should be your end goal. And if it isn't, it's just disappointing. And just so you know, the person that is looking at regular season MVP stats is Freddie's child. Just so you know, that that's a shot. <laughs> Freddie. So, yeah, that's definitely Freddie's child. Show me the proof. I want the proof. Give me all the proof. Um, all right. That's enough Rogers talk because again, we we could just make this a Packers only pod and, and it would just it would be an hour and a half. But I do have some other deals that I want to talk about. And I want to ask you if there's any deals you want to talk about. Another franchise player that signed a deal yesterday, Buccaneers wide receiver Chris Godwin, as we know, coming off an ACL injury, gets a three-year, $60 million deal with 40 million guaranteed at signing. Interesting contract because again, we know Tom Brady coming back. Sean and I covered it. We've talked about it a month. And excuse me, Mike Evans, some other players coming back. They did bring back some offensive linemen, although they lost a couple in the offseason too. But this is, I think this was more of just a, this is what you've done for us and what we hope you can be contract. Because Godwin has really had the best chemistry chemistry with Brady these last couple of years, I think you could argue. Wouldn't you say so? 
Yeah, you could you could definitely argue it. When he was on the field, it felt like he was the number one guy. And then I think once he missed time this past year, uh, Brady and White kind of got on a really high level. But I think when the Super Bowl run, Chris Godwin was Tom Brady's guy. Yeah, even more so than A.B. I mean, A.B. put up some numbers, but like I think Godwin was that guy that he just trusted, that he just had that natural connection with. Like you said, last year with Evans felt a little bit more forced, um, but Godwin over the two years, but like you said, this past year having a lot of injuries, I just always felt like Godwin was the guy that connected with Brady. What do you think of this deal? I, I think it's interesting. Again, it comes in on that $20 million a year average, $40 million guaranteed at signing. But him coming off an ACL, I mean, we keep seeing it more and more where ACLs don't seem to be that big of a deal or hindrance. What do you think, Amon? Yeah, I think it's a reach in terms of money. Um, I don't think he's worth $20 million. I in my I haven't watched him extensively over his entire year, uh, entire career. But, uh, you know, the past two years when Tom Brady down there, I've seen him. And to me, he doesn't feel like the $20 million receiver that, you know, Devontae Adams was. But I think it's more of they see what happened to Devontae Adams in Green Bay. And I think they have a little bit more in, inside information. And when they made this deal, they said, he does not want to be back there. We are not tagging this kid again. And we know that his connection with Brady is what can get us to another Super Bowl. So if we have to overpay for his stay here in Tampa while Tom Brady is here, I'm okay because I know at least this guy is going to produce. It's better than letting him walk away or making a play under the tag again and then losing him altogether when you're trying to get another run going. Because this is a guy, who, again, who fits in your system. He is understanding that Look, he understands Tom and he understands that this team's end goal is a Super Bowl. And I think his end goal is a Super Bowl as well. So I think he's a, a good character guy for B.A. And again, that chemistry with Brady, I just I don't think you can go and replace that. No, listen, you're absolutely right. I mean, there's just some things that listen, you always have to overpay. When you franchise tag a guy, you're going to have to overpay. We've seen it with Kirk Cousins. We've seen it with other people who get extensions off the franchise tag and then from other teams once they're free. I mean, it's just the way that it is. But I, I agree with you. It seems like more of a natural fit, and this is just – this is the price of business. Um, there was a <laughs> – there was a crazy, crazy, crazy amount of deals. Like, I, I feel like we're getting more news on deals. Maybe it's not more deals, but we're just getting more news. I think by far, though, the craziest one, if you look at headlines, even more so than Aaron Rodgers, the back-to-back -back MVP getting $150 million, was Vaughn Miller. Signing a six-year, $120 million contract with the Buffalo Bills. That's right, the Buffalo Bills. Now, just for some added context, it's a six-year deal that includes $51.5 million guaranteed, including $45 fully guaranteed at signing. Essentially, the way they're looking at it, it's closer to like a three- to four-year deal. It's just to spread out the cap. But when you see it on the other side of 30 pass rusher, get a six year, hundred plus million dollar deal. It makes you stand up in your chair, Amon. I mean, <laughs> what are your thoughts on Vaughn Miller going to Buffalo when a lot of people assume he was either going back to Denver or going back to the Rams? This, this one came out of left field to me. Absolutely coming out of left field. When I saw Buffalo, I reread it. I, I kept clicking on it. I said, they made a mistake, right? Buffalo was the team they meant to write. They meant to write Denver. They meant to write Dallas. They meant to write LA. But <laughs> Buffalo, I think they're seeing this AFC and saying, look, we have to make some moves defensively. We were right there on the doorstep, right? We are basically a coin toss away from the AFC championship game. 
if we can buff up this defense and give ourselves a legitimate pass rush, which they didn't have last year, they were solid, but they didn't really have a legitimate pass rush. And Von Miller is not the Von Miller of old. He's not going to you know, beat double teams, but what he can do, he'll attract double teams. It might be 32-year-old Von Miller, but it's still Von Miller. You got to respect him. So he's going to create other mismatches, create other opportunities elsewhere on the line. I think Buffalo's saying, look, we have Josh Allen, arguably a top five quarterback in the league arguably the best quarterback in the AFC. We have a team that can win. They made another move signing OJ Howard. I think mm-hmm. I like it a lot just because I think it gives them a middle of the field option and another run blocker, which I think they could definitely use. So you do that. And now you build a defense. Sean McDermott always gets the most out of pass rushers. This is a team ready to get after the quarterback. They're seeing what the AFC West is doing and saying, we might be in the AFC East and it's not as strong and we're going to get out of here. But our end goal is that AFC West or Cincinnati up top. We are looking at those guys how we can be, how can we beat them and getting to the passer is probably the, is probably what they came to the answer with. Yeah. I mean, they drafted Gregory Rousseau at the back of the end at the back end of the first round. So, I mean, they've invested in pass rushes, but you need a little bit of experience with a little bit of youth. And this is exactly what they're doing with Vaughn Miller. Again, the numbers make it look funny, but you totally understand why you bring this guy in. He is a former defensive player of the year. I, yeah, he won defense player of the year, I believe, one time. He's a former Super Bowl MVP, at least. He's won two Super Bowls in two different places. He's played with some of the best defensive players in the last 20 years with Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, and some of those guys in Denver. You know, DeMarcus Ware, let's not forget, he was matched up with him as a pass rusher, you know, in Denver and stuff. So, I mean, he's played with high-end talent, and he knows how to do it. McDermott and uh, – is it Brandon Bean, the GM, have done an excellent job these last few years in acquiring talent, bringing free agents in. They did another move that I really liked. Unfortunately, the player turned around and uh, bailed on him. We'll get to that here in a minute. But uh, again, the money was shocking. The destination was, I mean, just eye-popping. Like, I felt like Nancy Reagan, her eyes just bugging out of her head. Like, wow, what happened? Um, I know, you don't even know who Nancy Reagan is. So, (laughs) but anyway... It, it, it definitely was. It was insane. But again, let the AFC West chew themselves up. Let them beat up on each other for, you know, the six games a year that they have to play everybody else. We'll be over here in the AFC East competing with New England, uh, you know, an upstart team. The Miami Dolphins, who knows what's going to happen? The Jets, <laughs> the Jets. And like you said, <laughs> now's our chance to kind of create some separation, get a team that we want and be ready for the playoffs. I mean, you've got Allen signed. Now you've got Miller signed. You've got some stuff. I mean, like, Now's the time to do it. Okay. I'm on. A few times this year, we have seen players, because remember, the legal tampering tampering period started Monday. You officially couldn't sign deals until Wednesday. We did have a few players who gave basically commitments, letters of intent, if you will, that they were going to sign with teams and then backed out of those. So let's talk about a few of those. The most notable one was Randy Gregory formerly of the Dallas Cowboys, now with the Denver Broncos. If you don't know, Randy Gregory agrees to a contract extension with the Cowboys. Five years, $70 million. Not a bad payday for a guy who's had many infractions, missed over 50 games in his career due to injury and suspension. So Dallas really believing in him. So they come to an understanding. And then Dallas drops just a little bit of a nugget here, saying that, In the contract language, if you are suspended or fined by the league, we can come after bonus money that has already been paid to you. So if it's an incentive, if it's a roster bonus, stuff like that. And Dallas's defense is, hey, this is in everybody's contract that we do, except one person, Dak Prescott. Randy Gregory and his representatives say, 
no, thank you. That's not going to happen. I'm going to go to Denver where they have the exact same five-year, $70 million deal without this clause in it. I'm on. Did Randy Gregory do the Cowboys dirty? What do you think of this deal in general? Any just general thoughts about it? I don't think Randy Gregory did the Cowboys dirty because I think the Cowboys try to do Randy Gregory dirty. Again, if this is going to be something you can put in the contract, tell him up front. Make that known. Why you have to sneak it in there? Is it that bad? Is it really something that you had to sneak in there? Again, I feel like if you would have told him up front, he would have, been, he would have thought about it. And maybe he comes back. Maybe he doesn't. But at least he feels, okay, you trust me enough to give me the information. If someone says, hey, come to this school, right? If someone, I, I'm a college student. And if someone said, hey, come to this school, uh, we'll give you this X amount of scholarship. But you know, if you live off of campus, we'll take away a half of it. And they sneak that in last second. Yeah, I'm not going to go and commit there because why? Because you try to do me dirty, try to sneak stuff to, uh, by me thinking I wouldn't catch it. Uh, I And again, I think if this wasn't every single Dallas Cowboys contract, that's something else. But it's not. Dak Prescott, and yes, you make exceptions for certain players. But when you make exceptions for Dak Prescott, someone's going to say, hey, look, he's getting it. Why can't I do it? You don't value me as much as you value him. And he had the opportunity to get the same money. And exactly that point is Randy Gregory said, okay, I'll get the same money elsewhere. Don't have to worry about it. Peace out. I'm done. And that to me is the biggest thing. If Dallas was up front and said, listen, this is what we put in everybody's contract. You, you can talk to other players. You can talk to other agents. This is what we do. Again, you might not like it, but you're not going to get a commitment from him and then a reneging. Like, it's just going to be clear. It's either going to be like, hey, guys, sorry, I can't do it. Or he's going to be like, ah, okay. Like, it's going to be one or the other. The fact that they try to sneak it in after the basically handshake agreement was done, it just goes to show that, that Jerry Jones thinks he's above the law and could do whatever he wants and everybody has to step in line. Another player that happened, we just kind of referred to this, was J.D. McKissick, the passing back from the Washington Commanders. I almost said Washington football team. I'm so used to it. I want to say it so much, too. I know. It's it's such a bad habit now. But he signs a two-year, I think it was about $7 million deal with the Buffalo Bills, which is a great pickup by me. I think it's a great pickup by Buffalo. But then turns around and goes back to the Commanders for the same deal. It was reported that I saw that McKissick, that Washington basically didn't offer him a contract. He went to Buffalo, got the deal. The agent called the commanders and said, listen, JD's leaving. This is the deal. And Washington's like, no, 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 we'll give him that deal. And he was like, well, okay, I like Washington. So he decided to stay, which happens. Which team do you think benefits more with having JD McKissick on their team? Is it the Washington commanders or is it the Buffalo Bills? I think it's the Buffalo Bills. And I'm thinking about it in the, in the respect of, the Buffalo Bills could win a Super Bowl with J.D. McKissick on that roster because you give them another person to add to that running back rotation. Right now, they struggle at running back. And I think that's really the one thing holding them back is their inability to run the football outside of Josh Allen. Now, if you want to run the ball, you could also just throw screens. You could do different things to get it underneath and get linebackers to sink towards play action passes. You add J.D. McKissick to this team, you're talking about a team that, again, I think they're already one of the favorites in the AFC, but it's, an, it's another option where you say, Man, how are you going to stop that? For the commanders, it's nice to have, but with that team, I don't see them really making it past the first round of the playoffs. So whether you get there or don't get there, to me, it doesn't make a big difference. But for the Buffalo Bills, they are a running, a true running game or another guy who could be a running back by committee guy away from being this number one contender. So I think that really hurt the Buffalo Bills. Absolutely. I mean, we've seen that Vin Singletary have moments where he's able to run. I think it was Zach Moss was, was the Zach other running Moss. back. Again, if you put in 
Jamie McKissick as a guy who can run the ball once in a while, but catch the ball out of the backfield. Like Singletary is an okay pass catcher. You put McKissick there. That's a huge deal. That is a, I mean, it's a James White type player, a Kevin Falk type player who can make plays out of the backfield. And those guys are becoming more and more valuable and have become more valuable in the league over the last five to 10 years. Again, I think it's a great keep by Washington, but a horrible loss by Buffalo. And there's nothing Buffalo did. This isn't their fault. This isn't, you know, they tried to screw them over kind of like Cowboys with Randy Gregory and all this. It just didn't work out that way. One more I want to talk about regarding this kind of situation. You talked about him numerous times. Zadarius Smith, former Packers pass rusher. They cut him. They can't lower his cap number. They can't come to an agreement. So he's cut. Reported yesterday that he was going to sign a four-year um $35 million deal with a max value of 50 with Baltimore, the team that drafted him. But then things changed. Apparently, he will not be signing that deal. So Zadarius Smith, one of the best pass rushers still available in free agency, is still a free agent. Amon, I have not seen anything on this story why he walked away from Baltimore or why. it That seems to be the issue. Not that Baltimore said, we're not going to sign you. It seems to be that Zadarius decided, you know what? Never mind. What do you think happened with this? And is there a team to you that makes sense to go chase Sedarius Smith? Yeah, and that's the mind-boggling thing is why? You know, with Randy Gregory, we know why. With J.D. McKissick, it just feels like Washington's my home. I just want to stay there. Mm-hmm. Here is, this is the team who drafted you, so you know the scheme. They're giving you big-time money, so it's not like the money issue's a problem because it's really a, a huge kind of payday. So I was kind of confused on why. And I, I guess we won't know why. We, we just don't have an answer. And maybe it's Seas Fields, Baltimore's not in their Super Bowl bubble or things like that. But I think a team that Zadarius Smith should really look at is another AFC North team, and it's the Cincinnati Bengals. I think if you can pair Zadarius Smith with uh, Trey on the other side. Trey Henderson, yeah. That is Trey Henderson. That's a scary, scary thing to have. Again, you're going to have to go get the passer and, and Henderson come out as one of the better signings in free agency last year from Cincinnati. Could you imagine they go into this free agency period, get two guys in the offensive line position and then go get Zadarius Smith, who again is going to attack the pass rush, attack the passer alongside Trey Henderson. And they're both going to demand double teams at times, create other opportunities I think that'd be a huge move for Cincinnati. I don't hate the move other than the fact that my Ohio State alum, Sam Hubbard, would get pushed to the uh, rotational role. So, yeah, I love my Sam Hubbard. Uh, so I, I do I do understand what you're saying. That That's that's a great idea because it's exactly what Green Bay did when they signed Preston Smith and Zedaria Smith. They were really trying to get two guys, you know, one on each end. I always bring up the fact of like Robert Mathis and Dwight Freeney. You know, we talked about Demarcus Ware and Vaughn Miller. If you get a guy on each side, I mean, even Dallas did it tried to do it with Demarcus Lawrence and Randy Gregory. So we've seen teams do this before. Cincinnati's on a bad one. A team that I think would be interesting if they were to look at him would be San Francisco. Uh, Nick Bosa on one side, kind of the same thing. I'm not sure if he fits their scheme, but we have Fred Warner back at linebacker. You know, he had kind of a down year last year. You get a guy like Smith who can be a disruptor. It really opens things up for Fred Warner, I think, to do what he does best as one of the best middle linebackers in football. Again, you want to talk about opposite pass rushers. They have a good defensive line. You had somebody like Zadaria Smith makes it even better. So it, it'll be interesting to see where he goes. I mean, maybe he still goes to Baltimore. Maybe it's just, you know, he just needed to take a step back, wanted to hear some stuff and go from there. But it was definitely interesting that it happened this way just because. I want to post you a question though when you're done. Please, please. No, no, no. Interrupt me, please. 
No, no, sorry. Um, no. <laughs> do you think Zadarius <laughs> do you think Zadarius Smith saw Green Bay and saw him not tell them not be able to sign um, Devontae Adams? And do you think he's saying maybe I go back and now I'll get my money? I, th- I did think I didn't want to bring that up, but I do think there's a chance because they did extend Preston Smith. That was a deal that they did do. So we, we saw him a four year, fifty two and a half million dollar deal. Uh, really, it can get up to sixty five with incentives and stuff like that. But I mean, maybe because he seemed happy in Green Bay. I mean, it, again, like with all of this now with with Adams leaving, we know that they're probably going to go offense. You know, they have two first round picks. You know, one of the picks, I think, is at 22, I think, is where the Raiders are were picking. Now the now the uh, Packers are picking. So, you know, maybe they go offense there. You bring back a guy like Smith, the Smith brothers return. Maybe that's it. Maybe he just kind of was like, OK, screw it. I'm going to go back where I'm comfortable. And then, you know, he hears the rumblings that Devontae's not going to play with them. And Aaron creates all this cap space with his deal. And he's like, well, maybe I can go back. So that I mean, it's definitely very possible. Very possible. All right. There's a ton of free agency, but we have to talk about one of the biggest stories. Baker Mayfield. Oh, boy. Uh, (laughs) Baker Mayfield, a favorite punching bag on the show by me. So this is going to feel really good. Listen, we know what happened. Cleveland got interested in Deshaun Watson. Every team that Deshaun met with, which included the Cleveland Browns, they were – face-to-face meetings with the owner, the GM, whoever, and they had to offer trade proposals. Now, as far as I've seen, the trade proposals have not been leaked. I think that's probably part of what is the issue. Now, today it did come out that Cleveland is out of the running, but that didn't stop Baker Mayfield from going full Drake and getting caught in his feelings. Baker Mayfield has not been given an extension Baker Mayfield doesn't feel appreciated in Cleveland. He feels that the organization has let him down or not stood by him or whatever. And now, today, March 17th, he issues a trade demand. And Amon, do you know how long it took the Cleveland Browns to officially, officially (laughs) say that they were not going to trade Baker Mayfield? It felt like all the five minutes. Seven minutes, seven <laughs> minutes, sir. You cannot cook a cheeseburger in seven minutes. That's how long it took the Cleveland Browns to get it out to the news media that they were not trading Baker Mayfield. Now, does that mean he won't get traded? No, that's not what it means. It just means for right now, they're not trading him. Listen, where did this go wrong? What happened? Is Baker in the right? Is Baker in the wrong? Is Cleveland in the right? Is Cleveland in the wrong? I, I really just have no idea. And the caught in the feelings reference was so good. Uh, I think uh, Baker is like, Andy, do you love me? Uh, but apparently Andrew Barry doesn't love him because again, and I, I can't blame him because what you've seen on the field hasn't been terrific. Again, he's been hurt. This, the you know coaches has been a rotating door for them. This boom, boom, boom. You have five coaches in four years. I think that was kind of the number it was sitting at because you had two his rookie year. And then you had three after that uh, leading up to Stefanski. So you look, you, you talk about all that, but, Baker just hasn't put it on the field. And then they come out, the reports are the Browns want a grown up at quarterback. When that report comes out and uh, Baker Mayfield's whole thing since he came into the draft was, I'm going to prove Colin Cowherd wrong. And verbatim, that's what Colin Cowherd always says about uh, Baker Mayfield. It's not a good look. I I don't think Baker's in the right here. And I don't think Cleveland's in the wrong. I I don't know who is anywhere. It feels so great to me because 
I think the Cleveland Browns were right in looking for Deshaun Watson and looking to keep their options open and try to improve at quarterback because Deshaun's a better quarterback. And when Baker put out this whole, um, you know, soliloquy, if we will, about uh, his, his time in Cleveland, how he loved Cleveland, all this, but he thinks it's the end of the era. It felt like that was the front office telling him, we just got Deshaun Watson. Not everything is patented out yet, but he is coming to Cleveland. But apparently that wasn't even the case. So I think Baker jumped the gun and just assumed Cleveland would win him over. And then now Baker's just kind of doubling down in it. And again, I don't know where it's going to go from here, but it just feels like a whole bunch of murky water. Uh, uh, yeah, I, listen, I, I agree with you. Baker Mayfield, in a different way, is reminding me of Zion Williamson. They were touted as these guys, number one picks, that the people behind them just weren't going to be as good. They were going to be franchise altering. Baker, man, he, you know, he walks in a locker room, people start snapping. He's a leader of men. He's the Pied Piper. He can do all this. And then when he has a good team around him, it's like, okay, this guy's not bad. Zion, oh, man, he's going to change the game. He's built like a power forward, but he can shoot like a guard. And he's all this. And then he gets hurt and then he can't control his weight and he can't do this. And he can't, it's like, it, it's buyer beware, which again, all these players are buyer beware. We don't know how good they're going to be. I mean, there's really maybe three guys. I'm 39 years old that when I saw them play in college, I thought those guys are going to be like hall of famers. One of them was Larry Fitzgerald. I saw the guy at Pitt. And I'm like, Oh, that guy's just going to be great. Like, I don't care where he goes. He's just going to be great. And I was proven right. Like that was an easy one, but Baker Mayfield, was he that guy? No. We, we talked about it last night a little bit. Like, there were players behind him that, you know, you don't take number one because NFL draft is stupid, and that's what you do. But, again, there's a reason they're not giving – what's his ceiling? We talked about this last night. What is his ceiling? What can he be? Can he be a, a, a Jimmy G? Like, if that's the case, Jimmy G was, what, a third rounder? Baker Mayfield was the number one overall pick. Like, our second rounder. Like, what, what are we doing here? Again, like – I understand Baker not feeling supported by the organization. That's not their job. They pay you to do a job, and that's to be the quarterback. If you don't want to be there, that's fine. But if the organization says, listen, you're on a cost-control contract, we have you for one more year, whether we franchise you or let you walk, which would be, I, I mean, who was the last number one overall pick to not even get an extension? I mean, was it Jamarcus Russell? Like, I can't even think. I mean, there's been some bad ones, but even like golf got an extension and you know guys like that. So again, this this to me never seemed like a perfect match. Baker is somebody who, yeah, when Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are running for two thousand yards, great. When Miles Garrett is in contention for Defensive Player of the Year, great. Everything's going fine. But when Baker Mayfield has to carry a team, and I'm taking this past year side, he was hurt. He played through an injury. I get that, but. It's not like before then he was winning all pro honors. It's not like before that people looked at that Cleveland Browns team and said, you know, it's Baker Mayfield's team. Because I know on our podcast, we talked about how Nick Chubb, that's a man. Kareem Hunt, great pickup. Miles Garrett, offensive line, you know, stuff like that. That's what we were talking about. It wasn't Baker Mayfield lighting up. We don't talk about Baker Mayfield the way we talk about Josh Allen, the way that we talk about Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray. I mean, do you? No, I haven't heard anybody do it. And when that pick was made, I remember I didn't even watch the draft. I was at my friend's house and I forgot the draft was on. And I, I was like, oh my God. So I went to his laptop and I started, you know, I was like, who got picked number one? And when Baker got picked number one, I said, how? Again, I get it. He's a character. He's supposedly a character guy, but there was just no way you take him number one. And Cleveland's paying the 
you know, just paying the price for it. They suck at first round draft picks, especially when it comes to quarterback. You know, you see with Johnny Manziel and then they picked basically a stronger arm. Johnny Manziel, it feels like in terms of they want a grown man in the building. Well, Johnny Manziel wasn't a grown man. Mm-hmm. And to, to Baker's credit, I think he will be he's going to be better than Johnny Manziel. I think that's oh, 100%. Yeah, by far. All, exactly. And can he be good for another team? Maybe. But that team better be loaded. They're mm-hmm. not, they, he can't carry it. And if he does, good on him. But so far, what we've seen from him, he can't do that. So the Browns, they shouldn't have to pay him. They don't need to pay him. And he's given them no reason to throw their arms around him. He hasn't done what Patrick Mahomes has done, what Josh Allen has done, what Lamar Jackson has done, what Kyler Murray has even done. Some of the, you know, Joe Burrow in his second year took a, in his first year was, took a bad team and played really well. In his second year, took a team that wasn't terrific and still took them to a Super Bowl. They got a lot better throughout the year. And sure, you could talk about all the weapons, but I thought Cleveland's roster up to down was better than Cincinnati's. But still, Joe Burrow got it done. And so Joe, when it comes time for Joe Burrow, the arms are going to get thrown around him. But for Baker Mayfield, we just haven't seen it out of him yet. Yeah, Baker is a guy, not the guy. And A guys can have nice, long, successful careers. They're just not going to be Hall of Famers. They're not going to be all pros. They're not going to be those guys. And everybody now thinks just because you have an Instagram following or on commercials or the number one overall pick that that makes you the guy. That's not how it works. It doesn't work that way in the NFL, and it doesn't work that way in life. It it doesn't matter. This We have covered so much stuff, but I want to open up the floor to you. It doesn't have to be free agency. It could be whatever you want. Is there an NFL tidbit, storyline, signing, whatever, that you want to talk about open up the floor to you Amon. what do you want to hit the pittsburgh steelers um they just go out and bring in miles jack two years 16 million dollars they go and pair him alongside tj Watt. we talked about pass rushing tandems mm-hmm. and he also can play interior linebacker and go out and cover running backs if you need him to you also pair him alongside a coach in brian flores who is their official linebackers coach so there you go and they went out and got Mitchell Trubisky. Now, again, Mitchell Trubisky, is he great? No, but he he can be a guy. I think he can be a guy. And right now, Pittsburgh, they've been running with no guy. They've been running with a broken guy for the past couple of years. So to go get a guy who's mobile, athletic, and at least can not screw it up. Again, in Chicago, when the defense was dominant, a lot of the times when they were successful, he just didn't screw it up. He, he, just, he just said, okay, I'm going to just make sure everything else happens. I'm not going to have to do anything. I'm not going to make a big time throw. I'm not going to turn it over. I'm just going to check it down. You have Najee Harris behind him, who's an incredible workhorse back. Whatever Claypool is doing, you still have Deontay Johnson. Juju Smith-Schuster is getting no interest outside of his TikTok followers. So he may be back in uh, Pittsburgh as well. Pittsburgh quietly could be the second best team in the AFC North this year. No, listen, everything you said is absolutely correct. I mean, I really like the Miles Jack signing. I, I was kind of like surprised that Jacksonville let him go. I mean, I get you have a new coach. Maybe he doesn't fit the scheme, but just kind of seems like, really, you want to cut that guy before he even like takes the field in your system? Like, I could see him as a training camp cut. I'm not sure I cut him now, but, you know, I don't run the organization. That's Trent Balky. So really, you know, same. Uh, but no, I, I agree. I mean, there was rumors that Trubisky was going to go to the Giants and compete with Daniel Jones. Now we know, presumably, Unless something crazy happens, he's going to be the starter in Pittsburgh. And the big question for Pittsburgh going into the season was with Ben gone now, what were they going to do? Because Mason Rudolph is clearly not the answer. Dwayne Haskins, we don't know if he's the answer. But Mitchell Trubisky has a winning record in the NFL. I can't believe I'm saying it, but he has a winning record in the NFL. So you're at least moving on to somebody who has shown that they can handle the pressure in the NFL with a good team. Can Claypool be like an Allen Robinson? 
that worked well with Trubisky, you know, down the field, physical receiver can go up and get the ball. Maybe, you know, like, let's see what happens. Again, I'm not high on Pittsburgh. I live in Western Pennsylvania. I'm in Steeler country. Yuck. But it is what it is. But no, I agree. They've done some really smart moves. Again, Pittsburgh is not a team that goes out and spends big money in free agency. They usually don't give super big contracts outside of like Ben Roethlisberger. We saw TJ Watt get his money. They usually move it along and that's the way it is. But they did some really smart signings. Again, those two-year, you know, middle team deals for Trubisky and Jack, where it's like, yeah, we're we're not trying to rebuild, we're trying to retool. And that's what Pittsburgh is doing. They've got some youth, they've got some veteran leadership. They need to kind of have a nice blend of it. Trubisky is still young enough, but also a veteran. You know, you you play 60 plus games in the NFL, that's a pretty good sample size. You know, we kind of know what you are. And again, Flores with Miles Jack, you know, we'll see. He was kind of supposed to be this pass rusher kind of really isn't that but like you said yeah. play the inside you know, I think had 106 107 tackles last year for Jacksonville so we know Pittsburgh loves their linebackers you know inside and outside so again he goes to a perfect situation those people will love him there you know all jacked up you know they're going to do all that stuff so that makes total sense no I, again everything you said was absolutely right and, and Pittsburgh is is doing a pretty decent job with a new GM, you know, obviously Kevin Colbert's going to leave after the draft. They're trying to set it up for the future, which is something that Pittsburgh the last couple of years hasn't always seemed like they've been doing with Ben Roethlisberger at the helm. I completely agree. Uh, Amon, anything else? Um, I think Jacksonville is interesting. Um, I, a lot of their moves aren't great moves. I think they're kind of the opposite to what Pittsburgh did in the sense of Pittsburgh. They didn't overpay for anybody. They said, all right, we're going to get guys in here just to retool it felt like Jacksonville, Jacksonville just kind of screwed over the Green Bay Packers, also uh, screwed over uh, the whole wide receiver market in terms of four years, $72 million to Christian Kirk, who may have been the third best receiver on the Arizona Cardinals, let alone the third best receiver in the NFL, because uh, that's what he got paid like. So that was an interesting move. I actually did like the Zay Jones uh, when it came out three years, $24 million. I thought that was pretty a Love pretty that. good contract for a BCRT receiver. And you give Trevor Lawrence a weapon, right? Not that that was good. They they tagged uh, Cam Robinson. They got Brandon Sheriff. You talked about that last night. They were able to bring in a couple of guys to go and help out Trevor Lawrence. And I think for Trevor Lawrence, he's had a rough first year in the NFL. I mean, ETN was out. He had Urban Meyer as a head coach and he's in Jacksonville. So it wasn't a great mesh of things. So I think in year two, look, is Trevor Lawrence going to jump out as Andrew Luck? Probably not. Most likely not, but could at least have some glimmer of success now that He's got some pieces around him. Sure. And I like that out of Jacksonville. No, again, that makes sense. Obviously, they, they've basically pulled in Oakland Patriots from last year. They've spent uh, way more money than everybody else. We've seen when teams spend money that they do improve their win totals. Jacksonville has the number one overall pick, so it's going to be pretty easy to improve that win total. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. It's going to be interesting to see what they do in the draft with the number one pick. Is it Evan Neal? Is it one of those pass rushers? Is it somebody who, to me, this is with this pick, it's a 10-year plan. I want this guy for 10 years. What's it going to look like? You know, five years on the rookie deal, five-year extension. Kind of like the, going back to Baker Mayfield. What's this guy going to be for 10 years? I never saw Baker Mayfield's upside after 10 years. If Evan Neal at left tackle is the future for 10 years, you could be looking at another Tony Baselli. I mean, if it's, you know, pass rusher, you hope it's somebody, you know, like a Von Miller, you know, who went high in the draft, not number one. You know, you hope that it's somebody like that. What Jadavian Clowney was supposed to be, what Mario Williams right. was supposed to be, guys like that. So we'll see what happens in that regard. But no, I mean, Jacksonville, again, doing what they do, which is kind of making everybody do a double take. <laughs> I'm, I'm on. 
thank you so much for coming on. This was a blast. I'm so thankful you did this. I'm so glad we did it early because I'm going to get this out. So we're going to have the hottest takes on Devontae Adams. So this is, is very good. Uh, make sure to check out Amon on a ton of ASAP in the morning. Uh, ASAP in the morning this week. Check him out on his show on Fridays at 3 o'clock with the stat guy, Dustin Reese. Go check him out on his podcast, Amon Patel Sports Podcast, where he covers football, basketball, uh, professional cricket. Let me tell you, Amon, I joke with him all the time. He's only 18 years old. I'm old enough to be his dad, but he is covering one of the world's biggest, most competitive sports professionally. So you, sir, are on the wrong podcast. I don't know what you're doing hanging out with a bum like me, but thank you for coming on and definitely check him out along with me. And for the most part, Tony Hollinsworth, Wednesday nights, eight o'clock Eastern Standard Time on Jawing and Balling on the All Sports All Place Network. Go check out our friends, Sean, when he's not on vacation, Trey Hill and Marcus Wilson on Charity Stripe Commentary, where they're breaking down all the NBA news, ramping up for the playoffs here. The Lakers suck. That's great. Don't want to talk about my Pacers. I don't want to talk about it. I said I don't want to talk about it. I'm on, okay? Go check out a Ginger's tailgate with our friends Brendan and Lewis. They just broke down their NCAA brackets, which, by my watch, the tournament has started already, and North Carolina won. ka So I'm always happy about that. Again, I'm Joe McDonald. That is Amon Patel. This is the Out of Bounds podcast, Out of Bounds of the Z. Don't forget to come check us out on all your favorite streaming platforms. Find us on the Facebook page, Facebook group, anywhere you find your podcast. Go check out Amon on all of his shows and his podcast. Amon, thank you again, man. Blast as always. Thank you for having me. I had a great time.